Lord, believe that with all of your heart tonight. Sing it. your testimony tonight. Saturday night. Turn around, shake somebody's hand, greet them in the name of the Lord, tell them it's good to see them in the house of God tonight. Let's play a little more of that. more 
seated tonight. That's what happens when our memory goes out. We don't know the verses of any of the songs. <laughs> you forgive us tonight. Amen. We have a, a, just a couple of prayer requests turned in. I want to remember tonight, Brother uh, Mark Osborne and family. Remember him and his family at the passing of his dad. So we certainly want to lift that family up tonight in prayer. Please pray for Gloria, uh, I believe it's Friedel. She's on life support, so we want to lift that need up tonight. I uh, want to, Brother Pinky turned in a request for his wife, Sister Phyllis. Says she's having a lot of trouble with her legs and feet. So that no, he knows that God is able to touch her tonight. So we certainly want to remember her this evening in our prayers. Also want to remember Brother David Yancey, uh, pastor down in Macon, Georgia. Want to remember him in prayer. He's in the hospital with multiple blood clots in his intestines. And the doctors are contemplating surgery on him. Brother Byron turned that in for us tonight. So we certainly want to remember, <clears throat> excuse me, want to remember uh, Brother Yancey tonight in prayer. If you would, just stand to your feet. Amen. How many has a need tonight? Amen. I know the Lord's more than able, amen, to take any care of anything in our lives. Brother Terry, would you come take us to the Lord in prayer tonight? So good to be in church one more time. Amen. Let's bow our head for prayer. Father, I'm thinking about a story. I think of one of the most beautiful stories that a prophet of God ever told us. Very simple, but where the armor outfit and the great boss, his son, out west to find a bride. And we know the story and how he went out and couldn't find one there in the great party. He was looking for a character. And he found the little cousin and asked her to marry him. He said, yes. And said, I'll be back a year from now. So she saved her nickels for that whole year. And all her focus was is to get prepared and buy that wedding dress to marry the great boss. Oh, God, how are we thankful. I believe that's what we're doing right now. We're making preparation for your return, Lord. And we're married to the bridegroom, and we're under great anticipation for your return. That's all, our whole desire and our whole focus. We have no other desire or focus. That's, that's, that's the love of our life to to, to make preparation for your return. We want to be with you. We're thankful that you sent us a, a message, a wedding garment, that we might make preparation. We might be prepared for that great day. We're happy, Lord, that you chose us to be your children. How thankful we are. We're thankful to be in the house of God. We pray for these requests, Brother David Yancey down in Macon. Lord, you know the situation. I pray that you would touch him, Brother Mike Orders down in Ruth, and his need, and his wife also a year ago, her need and the needs uh, in the, these two or three that were spoken, you know all about each one. And many people raise their hand, perhaps an unsaved loved one or sickness or family need, all about it. But dear God, I believe there's faith in the building. Somebody's going to have faith. Somebody does have faith. Somebody's going to see a testimony and hear a testimony. I believe, Lord, because of your what you've done for us and because we are believers, we will see results to these things. We thank you for your promises. Bless the service, anoint the speaker. May we pull on the gift of God. And when we leave the building, we say it's been good to be in the house of God. Thank you for the, the people that come out to worship. Thank you, for the Lord, that you put a desire in their heart to come and worship. And, Lord, if there's one outside the ark of safety tonight, would you deal with their hearts, Lord? Brood over them that, as the prophet of God said one time, he said, if you're not a Christian, may you be so ashamed of yourself that you want to become a Christian. 
Oh, God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Bless each one, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this song tonight. What a mighty God we serve. There's no God like Jehovah. Amen. I know we serve a mighty God because we see his, we see him manifest in our lives each and every day. Amen. Let's sing that as the brothers would come this evening and receive the offering. Amen. Just welcome any visitors with us tonight, those that be streaming the service. Amen. May it just be a blessing to you tonight. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Oh, what a mighty God we serve.
clap of praise tonight. Amen. Let's sing that song, Something Keeps Holding Me Tonight. Amen. When we feel like it's at the end of our road, amen, just turn it over to the one that can hold us. Amen. Let's sing that tonight. Well, something keeps holding me Every day I see
you glad tonight? Amen. I try. Brother Harry's going to sing a special for us. He's learned from Brother Louis well. <laughs> well, I really didn't have anything, so let's, uh, gee, I think. Brother Daniel, you mind look, see if Consider the Lilies is on there? Y'all know this, so we can put it up on the board and y'all can help me sing it. I'm glad that we have a, a heavenly father that we can know as our father, not just talk about her. Consider the lilies, they don't talk or spin, but there's not a king with more splendor than them. Consider the sparrow, they don't plant or sow, but they're fed by the master who watches them grow. i 
Aren't you glad you know him like that tonight? Amen. It's wonderful to know him as God. It's wonderful to know him as the Almighty, all-powerful, omnipotent, but it's wonderful to know him as Father. Revelation 22, verse 12. Praise the Lord. Heard y'all had a wonderful service here Wednesday night. Amen. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're talking about our new home and actually looking at the reflection of the character of the God and the people of that new home versus the type of material that that new home is going to be built out of. This new home consists of um, all different categories of people. It consists of the elect and the Lamb's book. It will consist of those that are in the book of life whose names are not blotted out. It will consist of those of Revelation 22, 17. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Um, Those that are athirst, let them come. And whosoever will, let them come and take of the water of life freely. So it shows us a different categories of people that will be there. Amen. I'm just glad I'm going to be one of them. Amen. Aren't you? Yes, now, notice as we've looked at this before, that this book of Revelation, especially this um, 22nd chapter here, it's a dialogue between the Lord Jesus, the angel, which is bringing the revelation, John, even the bride speaks up. So you have to be very careful in reading it. Notice this, this is Jesus. Now, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. Now I'm sure you notice that there in verse 14 it changed into another person, which of course is John. Blessed are they that do his commandments. It's not Jesus now speaking and said, blessed are they that do my commandments, but blessed are they that do his commandments. So it's another person that's referencing him. That they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. I mean, let to be remembered tonight before the Lord as we pray. Hold your need, your request in your heart there. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads to the dust of the earth from whence we came, We're so grateful, Lord Jesus, to be able to have the opportunity to stand once again in the presence of the Almighty God. So grateful, Father, that we don't have to stand there before you with fiery eyes of judgment looking at us. So grateful, Father, that we don't have to stand there with fear so gripping our humanity, our sins, our trespasses being there before us, knowing that judgment awaits us. How grateful we are that we can bow our heads, close our eyes, and call on Father God. Lord, we are so blessed tonight. If you never do one more thing, if you never answer another prayer, if you never heal us, if you never meet another need or another burden in our life that we have just to make us your children, we are so blessed. We want you to know we appreciate it tonight with all of our hearts, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'd speak to us tonight, Father, as we look into your word once again, Lord, in Jesus' name. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, before we go back into the tree of life,
I would like for us to first tonight look at life itself. Life itself. Life is a great thing. As a matter of fact, it is the greatest of God's gifts. Most people in their mind, they would think about, now what great things would be in life. The carnal Laodicean, they think more of things and what all things they can accumulate and what all things that they have in their possession and what all things they want in the future. And they are jealous of other people because they have more things than they do, money or whatever more that it is. But in reality, in all the things of life and the things that go with life, that is not the greatest part of life itself. Now, money, of course, we know that uh, money is an exchange, and we're able to exchange it for goods, for uh, different things of life. And we need money, of course, to be able to live, function, operate. But money itself is not the greatest thing of life. Human love is a great thing, but yet human love is not the greatest thing of life. Actually, the greatest gift itself would be life itself. Now, let's look at it for just a few moments before we go back into the Garden of Eden. Now, if this building here tonight was entirely stacked full of $100 bills beginning at my office door, every crack and cranny, the baptistry included the furnace room, we'll even put it in the organ, we'll put it inside these amplifiers, speakers, and every room we can do it. We'll stack $100 bills, plumb up to the ceiling, we'll go all across the fellowship hall, we'll put them there, we'll put them up into the nurseries upstairs, we'll put them into the bathrooms, we'll fill the sink, we'll fill under the sinks, we'll put them in the vanities, we'll put them in Brother Jim's office chair in the library. We'll have as many hundred dollar bills as we can stack inside this building. Then we'll fill the fellowship hall and then we'll start on the outside and we'll go 25 feet out from the walls of the building itself and we'll make a total circumference as high as we can stack them. Then we'll fill everybody's vehicle, car, truck, RV, whatever you're driving tonight, we'll fill them all with hundred dollar bills as well. Now some of y'all's eyes as big as half dollars right now. You're like that. Oh my goodness, what I could do with all that. But yet now, if we had all of that, and then we had every bit of this money that would totally be around us, and here we were as humans. Now, all of us were here. Of course, we're not sitting here because there's money in your pew. But we're standing on the outside watching as all this money has unloaded, and whenever the last stack of money has been unloaded, and the final $100 bill has been placed in the, in the desk or in the office or in the car, wherever it is, and after it's all said and done, and right when we are going to be allowed to get as much as we want, we all die. So I ask you, which would be worth the most? All that money or life? Praise the Lord. Now, if all of that money, and we know how it's been for, for centuries that man has loved gold. I mean, you hear of all the gold rushes that have been down through time, and people have sold everything they have, and they went to the Klondike rush, they went to the San Francisco 49er gold rush, they went all over the world, and the majority of them lost everything they had. Many of them lost their lives, they lost their family, right? They lost so 
much stuff just on a hope that they would become a rich millionaire, whatever it was, because of a, of a metal that was going to be dug out of the ground. And many of them lost their life on the hope or a promise of someone who went into the, to the gold fields and dug out and the majority of them never got one thing. But yet they risked the greatest thing of all to get something that they had no vindicated promise that they would ever become rich or famous or important. And they gave away the most important thing they had, which was life. Now I want you to think about that now. No matter what we could talk about tonight or think about. Now let's move beyond money and let's think about pleasures. Because that's what Laodicea loves so much. Are the pleasures of life. So whatever that would bring human beings pleasures. Now even we as children of God have things that we enjoy doing. Places that we enjoy going and all that. But whatever that we could talk about tonight that would be pleasures. And we would think... Whatever is the most pleasurable in life to Christians is things that are not sinful, of course. And then we would be able to think about all the pleasures that we enjoy and all the things that bring us the deepest of happiness and things that are external from us that would be able to satisfy and be able to lift our spirits for a little bit and make us feel better and bring something to us that would be an element of human enjoyment. And yet we could pile again all of that together one pile and it could be all be given to us and we'd say go enjoy your life and spend years and years and years on vacation and get off of this boat and get onto that boat and when you leave that boat get on this airplane and go here and there and there and you'll never have to work again the rest of your life will be a vacation and the very day you get ready to start it you die so which would be the greatest of value to you, a Disney cruise or life? Now what I find amazing about this is that people then will listen to Satan who will talk them into smoking, drinking, doping, or all kinds of other things that they do to themselves, which is proven to shorten and take away their life, and yet they will exchange an element of years of smoking or an element of time by which they're able to get drunk or high or so on and so on for the greatest gift of all, which is life. Now, if we would look at it in the temporary natural sense, natural life itself, it's a built-in mechanism within us. Now, I find it amazing because when God made us, He made our brain when there was no danger on the earth. God made our response time and our reaction time so whenever we see danger that we're able by perception of the eyes and it's able to flash into that part of our brain and it reacts with 
within three quarters of a second. So somebody stops in front of you, they tap their brake lights, they turn on a turn signal, they just made up their mind they're gonna start at this vegetable stand and get some tomatoes and they about call a major accident, 15 people behind them about pile up. But God made us, even when there wasn't any cars, when man did not have to respond that fast. But God knew there would be cars. So God made us with a built-in mechanism to where that within three quarters of a second, science says, that we're able to respond faster than you can snap your fingers. So what is it? It's something built in us to be able to protect our lives. So you're behind the wheel, you're driving, all of a sudden, bam, that sudden, that quicker than what I just did that, you're able to react according to that built-in mechanism. Well, if it is that way, just by someone turning off in front of you or someone go to hit you and you'd go up like this to protect your face how much more is it built in us naturally even naturally to protect ourselves against the plight and the contagion of sin it's in man as just a fallen son of God to rebel against sin itself and man has to override that thing buried deep within him to yield to the sin of the enemy to take his own life. So they can put it on the pack of cigarettes. Warning, Surgeon General has determined that smoking cigarettes can cause cancer. Well, this can cause it. That can cause it. Drinking alcohol and they'll do it and spot out of every warning you put up there and yet take vitamin C to help keep them getting a cold are you crazy yes you are you take vitamin C to help you not get a cold and sit down and drink alcohol or smoke cigarettes and smoke yourself to death you're out of your mind well come on happy valley if amens would be appreciated but yet there's something about life. Now life itself, you know, it's a great mystery. Uh, we know that God, I can't believe that God will ever allow science to ever to be able to break in it and create it. Now we know they try to clone and try to do all different types of things with DNA. But still, they did not make the DNA or the life by which the DNA come from. Only God can do that. But yet they desire to break into life itself and be able to, to of course, they keep the bodies of, uh, you know, different communist leaders and they've got them frozen and whatever more under the petition that they think one day they'll be able to bring life back again. Because man wants to live forever without coming through the power and under the submission of the cross. Right? So he wants to be able to do it through how? A test tube or medication or some sort of shot. He wants to be able to gain life. Now Satan will tell people, oh, this is the life. This is living. You're really living. He knows he's lying to you. He knows that he's telling you a lie, trying to convince you that drinking alcohol and all these other things is life. Why science itself will tell you that it's not. All you got to do is read the warning and know that it is not. But yet he convinces people that is life. In reality, it's not. So you take the rich, the famous, oh my, those great celebrities around the world. And when they take their lives or they're in an automobile accident, then what, what happens to all of their money? Whenever these great, wealthy, important people, have you ever seen any of them take a million dollars with them to hell? 
You ever seen them bury a million dollars inside of a casket? Well, they might put it in there, but I guarantee it'll never make it to the graveyard. They'll be picked clean. Well, hallelujah. Is that right? Why? People think, why should you let all that go to waste? I mean, they're not even burying that with them. I'll help myself a little bit. Well, the undertaker gets a little bit. The grave digger gets a little bit more. Ain't so-and-so gets so-and-so. And Uncle Cousin gets so-and-so. So why in the world bury all that good money? So which is the greatest, money or life? Answer me. Which is the greatest, alcohol or life? Which is the greatest, the pleasures of sin or life? Now notice then it is on this aspect that the very kingdom of God is built and that is the basis of life. God is the controller, God is the giver, God is the creator of life, perpetual life and eternal life. And we know that he is the only source by which people and things can actually live and reproduce. Now, based upon this, and we know when we go looking into the paradise of God, that we have several phrases by which God himself coined and used them in the tree of life, the crown of life, the book of life. So everything that goes before that as a synonym with that word comes from the great creator himself. The rewards given to the overcomers of the church ages has an affiliation with life. So heaven itself is not just about gold and silver and beautiful things but it's about life praise the Lord now in the garden of Eden it was based upon that very thing now remember when God uh, started with the lower forms of life you know the prophet said it might have started with an amoeba a very form of short form of life might have come from a one cell thing wherever it was that God started it from and then it started expanding and the cells began to divide and it kept going higher and higher and higher and it was a form of evolution but spiritual evolution, not Einstein or the others as the scientists will look at it. Now we realize then that God himself is the one who gives life and Einstein himself, the great brain who had such significance said there's only way to be able to look at the universe and things that's there and explain it and that is Hebrews 1. And that says that the God who framed all things by the power of his word. Right? We still believe that, don't we? But we know that before God ever brought the man into existence, that life had already come into existence for maybe millions of years. We don't know for sure. But even in life itself, when God began to expand the heavens and the angels began to take form, that God made some that were of his essence and of his character, and they actually spun off of his being. So they were not time beings. They were not created in the element of time. But coming from the eternal, they were would not have a beginning. If you could understand that, you'll see where you were in your gene form. That's why we have eternal life. So it's not that that life actually started on one day, but it spun off of him, which is eternal. But also from him, that part of himself, he could allocate things that would come forth and fill in the span of time, and then they would cease to exist because they are not part of him in that sense. You understand? Now, the Lord, of course, knew exactly how to make all this, and a uh, man searching for life on Mars and trying to figure out how to go out there and live on Mars, and we got millions of acres here on the earth where there ain't a human being that ever set foot, never even lived or anything else, and they want to go out there and try to figure out how to live on Mars. My goodness, and all the problems and issues that we've got here on the earth, why don't we try to figure out how to plant more food, make more water, and all that stuff, but it's always man trying to get out there and fiddle around on something that he don't even know what he's doing. 
Well, praise the Lord. That's man that always minding somebody else's business and not taking care of his own house. Once you figure out how to take salt water and make drinking water out of it, turn the desert into something to be able to bring forth roses and cabbage and peaches and apricots. But that's man. He wants to look at something like that because to him, he's saying, oh my, and yet science itself is not life. Science cannot make a blade of grass. Science cannot. Oh, you say they can. They cannot. They have to take an original life and be able to tamper with the seed line and be able to get inside of there. They cannot make life itself. Why? God is the one who made it. So God, when he began to bring all of this into existence, and then when he made the earth and put all the life, the beginning of life on the earth. Now we move from angelic life into botany life, animal life, and whatever lower form of of life that it started and he kept coming up higher and higher and higher until the Lord God made man. Now we know of course in Genesis 1 that God brought out of himself this man in Genesis 1. This was the man of course which was in the original image of the word and then the man in Genesis 2 took on the form of the kingdom he was going to be king over. Now the man in Genesis 1 could not have properly rule the kingdom by which he was going to be king over as long as he was in spirit form. So God took him and gave him a hand like a bear, a foot like a monkey, you know, this and that and the other because he bore within his own earthly image parts of the kingdom by which he was going to rule over. So must the Son of God do the same thing and become a human being. He could not die in the form of Logos. He could not die supernatural light. He had to die as a man. Now, whenever God brings it to this stage, then, of course, the Lord wants to bring forth the first species that would have this human life. And that's a higher life than that of the serpent, of the chimpanzee, of the monkey, of the gorilla, of all the other things that lived on the earth. And God makes this human being out of the, the dust of the earth, and he forms all of the organs, the bones, the sinew, the cells, the tissue, whatever more that's there. But the man stands there as it was with his toes like roots as a tree down into the earth. A man cannot breathe, a man cannot move. He is no more than the mechanics of a bunch of calcium, potash, petroleum, cosmic lights. So God takes the mechanics of all of this and he reaches over here and gets a handful of this and a handful of that and he goes to shaping it not from the clay but from the dust of the earth, the very top of the earth itself. Then God goes to making all of this but still there's no life. So it's like a potter as he takes a handful of clay and he begins to take on on an image. Now there was no visible image in God's mind by which he could make it from except for the spirit image of the Logos. There was no other man there. But yet he began to form him from that spiritual image. Now remember in the eternal he can look at something that is not and consider it as though it is already there. So the Son of God did not already have a flesh body but here Adam is made in a prefigure of what the Son of God would look similar to thousands of years down the road. Everybody with me? So here he stands, but he's still not alive. So now look around him. He's got all this beautiful paradise. The trees are alive. The monkeys are alive. Elephants are alive. All the botany life is alive. The flowers are blooming. The water's trickling down. It's such a beautiful paradise. But here stands this man totally, completely lifeless. Now he has eyes. He has eyebrows, eyelashes. He has pupils. He has corneas. He has fingernails, toenails. He has all these things. So the mechanics of his body is there by representation but he's still not alive 
right now he has a position by which he is the head over all of this but it doesn't do him any good because he's not alive are you getting my point life is the same he had eyes but he couldn't see he had hands but he couldn't feel he had a mouth but he couldn't talk because he did not have any life people can come to church and clap their hands and play tapes and say they believe the message oh my say I'm their pastor but without eternal life they're just a bunch of mechanics piled up in a pile but we don't want to be mechanics only we want to be dynamics and mechanics now the mechanics of course is the body of Genesis 2 and then the dynamics, the supernatural part is that which comes from Amoya, the breath of God which must be breathed in him but also Adam's supernatural being which existed in Genesis 1. Now this is before of course he's called Adam, he was yet the word so he had not attained a human name. So here he stands all mechanics, total mechanics, absolutely no life, no movement, no nothing else, everything around him moving maybe the animals come by and looked at him and the birds flew by and looked at him and all this life is moving around him but he himself has absolutely nothing the elephant could come by with his trunk and breathe on him he did not have the ability to impart this pneuma of God this life, this animation in this body he could not do it there's only one source by which the life could come and that was from the eternal right? How many of y'all's ever made mud, mud houses and mud toys and you sisters when you was little make mud cakes and mud pies? Maybe some of your brothers made them, I don't know. But you played in the mud and you, and you, you go to a beach and you make a, what they call it, a sand castle. Well, you ought to see some of mine. They look like a wrecking balls out there because I'm certainly not an artist. But yet you make all of that, is there any life in it? Well, you may place your doll in there, your little girl. You may place your horse in there. You know, if you're a little boy, you might sit your John Deere tractor inside there but it's only, it's only alive in your mind. Now you sit there and pa, 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 but see that animation is only coming from you because there is no life in the tractor, there's none in the Barbie doll, there's none in the sandcastle. Y'all preaching with me tonight? There's absolutely nothing there but just mechanics itself. So you animate that and you say, well, come on, doll, come on, honey. You know, this is your family. So you are the animator of the life of this creation. So you're putting there in your imagination. Well, God did not want it to be imaginary life in this Adam, this son of God. God wanted him to have a real life. Now, it was an animation in the sense that God is going to breathe in him the breath of life. So all this is around him, but it doesn't do him any good because he's totally unaware. So we could do the same way tonight. A rich man roll up here and my, we all passed by. And, well, he was a good old guy. Man, he was a good old guy. And we could pile up all of his money. We could put all of his car keys and all of his truck keys and all of his guns and rifles and whatever it was he done. It won't do him one bit of good. He'll not be able to take not one thing with him. Is that right? So which would he rather have? His fine house? His fine car? If he could get one or the other back, which one do you think he would choose? I know which one he would choose. He would choose life. Well, this is what I'm trying to tell you tonight, that God, by the gospel, offers us not just human life to be able to perpetuate and pass our genes down from one generation to another, but God is offering to us eternal life which is not the life of our mother, the life of our father, but it is his own life, which is Zoe, 
right? Which can never pass away. Though the body will die, though it would go back to the dust of the earth, yet once we have been breathed upon by the eternal himself, that life is ours forever. Now, I want you to notice something now, that whenever the Lord told Adam that there's two trees in the Garden of Eden, one of them was the tree of life, and the other was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't partake of that tree now, the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat thereof, that day ye shall now I want you to notice what God told him God did not tell him in the day you eat thereof that day you'll be lost and become a son of the devil God never told him you're going to hell the day you eat thereof now listen friends come on now we, we've changed this drastically the way it was in the garden of Eden this is one reason why folks understand election they don't have election right in Genesis 2 they don't have it right in Genesis 3 God told Adam the consequence of what would happen if he ate of that tree. What was that? He would die. He did not tell him he would be lost because Adam could not be lost any more than God could be lost. God did not tell Adam he was going to go to hell because that was impossible. Well, praise God. Boy, that ought to make some of y'all near to have a spell. Why? Adam could not ever go to hell. He was a son of God. But what did he lose? His fellowship and then the cycle of death began to move into Adam's body. God never told him. Read your Bible. God never told him you will go to hell and the day you eat thereof or you will be lost the day you do that. You'll turn into a goat. God told him you will die. And even in that, Adam did not die that day, but the cycle of death set its motion in Adam's members. Is that right? So now then we have where we see that another law, which is the law of death, comes into the cycle of life, which God, of course, never intended for it to be there, but he knew that it would. Now notice this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now notice now, this is the first uh, re revelation in this chapter here, the first revelation of the compound name of God that is being revealed. In Genesis 1, 1, uh, in the beginning, God, God, Adonai, you know, Elohim, uh, God created the heavens and the earth but here in Genesis 2 we have it is Jehovah with his family so it is Jehovah Elohim or Jehovah Adonai so it is the compound redemptive name of God now remember the word interpreted is a manifestation of the name of God so here we find that the name of God in Genesis 2 is revealed in another attribute praise God Notice, so the Lord God, not God created the heavens and the earth, but the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now notice the Bible, of course, condenses its truth. Moses doesn't tell us how long it was that it took him to form the man, nor does Moses tell us how long it was that the man stood there in that lifeless state. But the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, or the Hebrew word there is nostrils or face breathed into his face the breath of life and man became not a living human being but a living soul now notice so then man becomes a new hush a new hush 
a living soul. So the man now has more than just human life, which will grant to him the ability to perpetuate and reproduce that human life. The man actually by the breath of God becomes a soul, a live soul. Now before that, it was a soul. The soul of Adam existed, of course, before this time. But it was not a soul that was expressed to where it could choose right from wrong, day and night, uh, darkness and light. It could not choose. It was in the attribute form of God. But once breathed out of the very existence of God, placed into a human body, then the man now becomes in this dedicated position as being a living soul, not just a living human being. A living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. And good for food, the tree of life. Also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now here we have the man that is placed. A living soul man. Which is placed in a living life garden except each of those lives are a little bit different the life of the beetle is different than the life of the animal and the life of the animal is different than the life of the fruit on the tree and the life on the fruit on the tree is a little bit different from the life of the vine that grows up the tree but they all come from one source right So you take the life of a vine that grows up in there and you try to be able to transpose or move that life over into a tree. You can't do it. It won't live. And so God made each life with its species according to how he wanted it to grow in the beginning. Now here the man is a living human being, but he's more than that. He is a living soul. Aren't you glad you're a living soul tonight? Now think of it, at this time there were no humans on the earth with a dead soul. Now you see the scripture that Paul wrote years and years later talking about the woman that lives in sin and said that she is dead while she liveth could not have been said in the Garden of Eden. Because there was no live human beings with dead souls dead nature. You understand what I'm saying? Now I'm talking about dead in trespasses and sin. So there was none of that, but it was a living soul and a living human being with perpetual life and his youth, of course, was constantly going on. Now then of course God uh, brought the woman out and we know the fall, how it come that way. Now notice then after the fall in Genesis chapter 3 verse 22 and the Lord God said, Behold the man is being come as one of us. Now, I know Trinitarian people like to take this scripture and try to prove this, that there was more than one God there. But you do not find the Bible in the English or the Hebrew saying any such thing. But God is actually speaking to the council of heaven. He ain't speaking to no little boy and no Holy Ghost associate. But he's talking to those beings which are the eternal attributes of the eternal there in heaven. Glory. 
The man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Now another law moves in the cycle of Adam's members. Now he is alive, but he starts feeling pain and he starts sweating and from the from the brow he starts getting outside and laboring and the productivity of the gland changes and now he's got to labor and he's got to fight these mind battles of what he did how that he's brought all this upon the earth and the creation of God every day he gets up you imagine feeling aches and pains and before that time he felt absolutely nothing but happiness and health and the goodness and mercy of God my what a day what a time we're going back into is that right but now he goes to dealing with issues and he goes to feeling physical things. And no doubt, Brother Terry, in order to really cover the scope of the fallen human being, he had all kinds of mind battles in his mind. What will the consequence of what I've done, what will it bring? How, how long will this go? Will God let this go for a generation or two or three? Or how long will this go? My, if Adam would have known, there would have been billions and billions of people on the face of the earth. All the sorrow and heartache and difficulty that he introduced to the world no doubt the man could not have taken it no doubt in his mind the battle that he must have fought and what he must have went through and the sickness that he dealt with and the, the difficulty of him and Eve and, and he noticed as he walked outside of the garden and God uh, slammed the gate as it was behind him and put cherubim turning every way to protect the way back to the tree of life and Adam went out into the earth and he noticed the earth had now lost the brightness of the green and the hues of the blues had been toned back and the water had lost an element of its brilliancy and the sun, he noticed the sun wasn't as bright as it was the day before and everywhere he looked, everything seemed to be toned down, the hues and the colors were not oh my, they were not as brilliant as they were before and even though he was still alive inside of him, he did not feel as happy and and his light and he just did not feel the same anymore oh my I understand I understand don't you as we get up every day of our life and we look around and we see the darkness that's around us everywhere the sickness the pain the suffering the heartache the trouble oh my it seems that it takes away some of the brilliance of the blue and the skies and it, it affects the green and the trees and the green and the grass but one day my brother sister the condition that absolutely affect us here in life one day they'll all be taken away there will never be a sick person ever march down those streets of gold there'll never be a baby born blind there'll never be a lame a halt a cripple praise God the blues will be as brilliant as they were in the eternal the pinks the yellows the greens oh hallelujah the magnificence of our father in the color spectrum that he created will be in a way that you and I can only dream about notice in verse 24 so he drove out the man drove out the man God don't like to drive his people. 
But we're so hard-headed, so stubborn. God don't want to drive you. He wants to lead you. But what do we do many times? We force God to drive us like dumb-driven cattle instead of sheep. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. Amen, Brother Donnie. I'm with you, Brother Donnie. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Edom cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. To keep the way, showing that life and salvation would never again be embraced by man until the justice and the judgment of God was met and what man did inside the garden imposed the just judgment of God and the pronouncement of death and man will never eat of that tree of life until the judgment of God has been satisfied. Lord children, if you only understood what I just said, if the judgment of God has passed over your soul and you have eternal life tonight and you are already eating on the tree of life, you ought to be one of the happiest people that is alive in the world today. It means the judgment of God has been met concerning your soul and the justice of God was met in the Lord Jesus and God accepts you and allows you to partake of the tree of life. What the cherubims kept Adam from, the Holy Ghost is leading you to. What a flaming sword kept Adam from, the Holy Ghost day by day by day is leading us to the tree of life. Not only are we feeding on it, but the prophet of God said the tree of life is blooming in us. Praise be to God. Notice this, Brother Branham in the message called the end time, he said, Now then, Cain came and knelt down, built an altar. I'd imagine they, notice this, they come to the east side of the gate, for there's where the angel stood with this flaming sword, guarding the tree of life by the way. He was guarding the people away from the tree of life. Now he's here trying to drive people back to the tree of life. Well, I'm glad he finally got through my hard head and drove me back. Notice Jesus was our tree of life. The woman was a tree of death. We're the fruit of our mother. She was the fruit tree. We come here by woman come death, by the woman come life, he said, which also brought forth the man, Christ Jesus, right? Satan used a woman to bring death. God used a woman to bring it back. Amen. Notice, all born of natural sexual, that person has to die. But the man that's born of the Spirit of God never dies. Notice in the Ephesian church, age to him that overcometh. Well, I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. What a thrilling thought this is. That tree of life in the Garden of Eden, which could not be approached unto because of the fall of Adam, is now given to the overcomer. 
the flaming sword of the guarding cherubim has been sheathed but it was not sheathed ere its blood oh my its blade was bloody with the blood of the lamb let us meditate upon this truth a while as we consider why that tree was denied to Adam and his descendants but now allowed again Praise be to God, friend. Please don't misunderstand me. If you've got the Holy Ghost tonight, you're already farther back than Adam ever started. Well, praise God. Oh, I want to get back where Adam was, not me. I want to get further back than where Adam was. Wherever Adam was, he fell from it. I believe we're sitting here tonight, sealed by the Holy Ghost, into the presence of God. We'll never get away from the seal of God. Oh, praise God. I love this. God's intention for his creation, man, is to express his words. In Genesis, Adam was given the word to live by. A life lived by the word would be the word expressed. And you all want to know what you can do to be a Christian. You want to know what you can do to be the word of God. Live this word every day. Every day you live this word, you are a written epistle in this Laodicean time frame that we're in. And you are expressing the word and that word will judge the people around you. Oh my. A life lived by the word will be the word expressed. This is true, is it not? But did Adam live by that word? No. Because he was to live by every word and he failed to take heed to every word. Then there arose Moses. What a great and mighty man he was. Yet he also failed to live by every word. That prophet, that type of the great prophet to come, failed in anger to obey the word. And there was also David, the great king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. He failed by adultery. When he was tempted, well, your name could be put in yours as well if you'd like for me to. And every prophet, well, we just go ahead and say it. Brother Branham too. Brother Branham failed. Brother Donnie's failed. Every one of us here has failed. There's only one that didn't fail, and that was Jesus. Brother Branham couldn't take the book. Paul couldn't take the book. Only the Lamb could take the book. Notice this, but eventually in the fullness of time there came one, the head, even Jesus who also must be tempted to see if he would live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. This is why Jesus had to be tempted and tried and tested. It's one thing to say, oh yeah, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. That's only words. But it's when we're tested, it's when we prove our words. So God had the lamb to be tested by women. Jesus was tempted by drinking. Jesus was tempted in every point as we are yet without sin. He had to prove what he was talking about. Did he prove it? Well, praise God. Let's go ahead and be honest. He proved what I couldn't. He proved what you couldn't. But since he proved it, I don't have to prove it. He's already proved it. So I prove I believe him by the way that I live and let his life live out of me that he proves his own words still. Amen. 
Notice, he says, then was Satan foiled. For here was one who lived by it is written, and that masterpiece of God overcame by reflecting God's word. Every word. There wasn't one sentence. There was not one diphthong. There was not one letter that Jesus left undone. There was not one commandment that he broke. You hear me, church? There was not one promise in God's word that he ever broke. He kept God's word. He was without sin. Notice, then when this manifested perfect one given to the cross as the perfect lamb of God for the perfect sacrifice and on the tree he received the wounds unto death that we by him and because of him might eat of the tree of life. Then that life freely given would enable us to overcome and express the word of God. This is why people can't live right in this day. This is why they go, I want to, I want to, I want to, one, two ain't enough. You've got to get the life of the tree in you. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh my. Notice this, Brother Ron Spencer, I think I was read this quote over at the Ruth meetings this week, and I just thought it was an outstanding quote. I'm going to share it with you tonight. I'd like to take a little trip, and we'll go again, we'll go up to the great Archangel Gabriel, who is the messenger of the covenant to the Jewish people, who stands at the right hand of God, one of the highest order of angels in the heaven. And I would say to him, Gabriel, thou art a mighty angel. You are loved of God. You have been here for aeons of time. And you perhaps know everything in the heavens. Where everything is placed. Because you're one of God's right hand angels. And you know the great secrets of the heavens. You sounded the trumpet of the coming of the Lord Jesus. You announced his first coming and you shall announce his second coming. So you must be a mighty man or a mighty angel. I'm going to ask you on all of God's treasures. What is the greatest thing you have found among God's treasures? I can see Gabriel bring himself to attention and say, the greatest thing I have found in God's treasures since he created me is life. <laughs> Praise be to God. God made me to live for eternal, for eternity, and life is the greatest thing there is. It's amazing how many message people don't believe that. I always find it so amazing whenever someone dies in a family. A husband, a wife, a mother, a father, and oh my, the people will cry and lament and they just, and you feel so sorry for them because a lot of it's true. A lot of it's crocodile tears, you know that. But a lot of it is real and it's genuine. But they make no plans to spend eternity with that same person they're standing here crying over now. And they'll cry and get depressed and have to get on uppers and downers and inners and outers to help them to deal with the death of that body. And yet they make no preparation to live eternally 
with that individual which they say they love so much. I'm sorry, I just don't understand it. It looks like to me if you really love them that much, you'd want to go where they are. Well, praise God. Come on now, saints. You would want to be where they are. But it proves that a lot of people do not. They miss them in time, and they miss what they know about them in time, and that's as far as they go. But to a real attribute of God, life is a wonderful thing. Life is a blessful thing of God. But not just human life, not just the ability for us to perpetuate human life and pass our genes on and then pass it on down to another generation and another generation and another generation and all that will eventually die. It will eventually come to an end. Oh my. And then we don't make hardly any preparation for eternal life. People just get all stressed out if they have to go to church once a week. Oh man. Oh wow. The Redskins will be playing about the time Brother Donnie's preaching. Wonder if I could stream it on my phone while he's preaching. NASCAR will be going on at Bristol about the time he gets in the pulpit. You better be worried about the other fire instead of NASCAR. But people make so much preparation for their home and then for their retirement and for what, you know, I want people to think well of me. Well, what about life? What about preparation for eternal life? Well, I'm not sure. I've got to think about it. So I'm starving to death tonight, okay? I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty I can hardly make it. I can't, I can't hardly go. And here's this bottle of ice. I'm thinking about it. Oh, but what if it's what if it's poison? How do I know? Somebody didn't poison. But Aaron, did you put something in this? How do I know this did not come from a faulty factory? And there's all kinds of stuff in here. Oh, it might kill me. Well, there's one way to know. But Brother Donnie, what if you're following a false prophet? Well, just for the sake of your argument, what if I am? What if Brother Branham was 175% wrong in 175% of his sermons? Show me where that's brought me to a disadvantage. Show me. You're welcome to stand. Show me where it has made me corrupt, vile. Show me where it has made me a child molester, an adulterer, a thief, a liar. Show me where it has worked against me in a negative way in society. Your liberty to stand. Show me where it has made me a vile, wretched, a wicked type of person. But what if this message that we believe and preach is the truth? You have lost everything if you stand against it.
Come on, saints. Oh, but Brother Donnie, what if you live this way? What if there is no heaven? You, some of you ain't going to, you're not even going to understand what I'm going to say. And some of you are disagreeing. It's perfectly fine that you're right. If there was no heaven, if there was no afterlife, I'd still choose to be a Christian over being a sinner just for the benefits I have every day in my life as a child of God. Well, now I know you're crazy. Yep, now you know for sure. You heard me say it yourself. If there was no heaven, if there was no hell, I'd still want to be a Christian because I've got joy that the world knows nothing about. I've got peace that the world knows nothing about. He heals me when I get sick. He encourages me when I get down. He helps me when I... I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. I would live for him if there were no streets of gold. If there were no gates of pearl, I would want to live for my Lord Jesus. But I did all this at heaven too. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I get all this in eternity. getting a hold of me. That uh, uh, scares me. It's getting a hold of me. You know why? Because you're a coward to let go. Come on now. I always feel sorry for folks that can't let go. They're afraid to totally trust God. They're afraid to totally trust any preacher. They'll totally trust nobody. And the one they can't trust the most is the one they're holding on to the most, which is themselves. I'll trust God's prophet much more than myself any day of the week. So I'm going to do it. Should I do it? Should I? But can you guarantee me that's not poison, Brother Tom? Are you sure? Now you sure? What if there's one bottle out of that million that come off right and spot it? Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. <laughs> I'm going to try it. I don't know if I should or not. Can you imagine if that was eternal life? It had been scientifically proven. Everybody that drunk this particular lot that come from Gatorade, the gray hair fell out. I wouldn't even get to get it because y'all be beating a fire out of me trying to get it. Their wrinkles left. Their bump and their back was gone. But I'm afraid. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. And you imagine people doing eternal life this way? 
I know my mannerism and my demonstration you think is, is, you know, it's crazy. Hey, friends, folks do eternal life like this every time they hear an altar call. Anointed servants of God, the bride will say, come. And say, come and receive, you know, eternal life. I don't know. 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 Or you can do this. Total fat, zero. Sodium, 160 milligrams. Potassium. Total carbs. Protein. I can't sell the rest of them words on there, but they sure taste good. Amen. So I think I'll partake a little further. I hope I'm making y'all so thirsty that y'all just can't wait till I get done. As soon as church is over, everybody's hitting the water fountain. Lord, children, I wish I could do that to you with eternal life. I so wish I could preach Jesus so real to you. I wish I could preach Jesus so real and heaven so wonderful and so beautiful that nothing in this world would ever hold you back. I want to be able to preach it not so much death and this and that and the other that let me preach it so real that people can see the gates of pearl. Let me preach Jesus so wonderful that they can't stand it till they meet him. I was only acting. <laughs> and that's the way people act with eternal life. Oh, I'm not sure. Okay, now. Oh, that's too much. I don't want to become a fanatic. Why not? You're going to be somebody's fool. I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? Everybody in this building tonight is somebody's fool. Praise God. Notice this. Gabriel says the greatest thing I found in God's treasures. You imagine all the treasures, Brother Mark, that Gabriel has seen. All the things he's heard partook of and Gabriel would say the greatest thing but brother Donnie that's only brother Branham's word for that as I said I'll take his word you think you can argue me out of it (laughs) you're crazier than I thought you was we only have one man's word that wrote Genesis but I'll take his word for it when God made me to live for eternal, for eternity, life is the greatest thing. Can I read a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more? As I said this afternoon, this afternoon, I wanted to speak on the greatest gift in the Bible. And how many in the audience this afternoon could think of any greater gift than God has given to man than eternal life? There is not one gift that could be given greater than life. I'm sick. And tired of Holy Ghost-filled Christians looking down on their eternal life as if it's second rate compared to speaking in tongues. 
or shouting or jumping or running oh that's good and wonderful the greatest gift God can give you is not to see visions not to dream dreams not to prophesy not to speak in tongues the greatest gift God can give you is eternal life speaking in tongues is wonderful but we won't be doing it in heaven seeing visions is wonderful but we won't be doing it in heaven prophesying is wonderful but we won't be doing it in heaven but we will have this gift in heaven eternal life there is not one gift that could be given greater than life life is that sublime sublime gift it's the greatest of all gifts for where there is life oh my there is joy and God alone has eternal life let's stand let's stand Pardon me while I finish my eternal life. <laughs> ah, thank you. Oh, praise God. How refreshing. How refreshing it is when you get out here in Laodicea. You're wore out and exhausted and tired. Dealing with the issues of life. We're able to come to church on Wednesday night or Saturday night or Sunday morning. Praise God. And the Lord sets a big old refreshing dose of Holy Ghost eternal life up in front of us. We go to drinking it in. Praise God. It revitalizes, don't it? Oh, yes. It brings strength and brings help and encouragement. Thank God. Let me read you a few scriptures here before we go. Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the paths of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Psalms 36, 9, for with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Proverbs 6, 23, for the commandment is a lamp unto and and lamp and the law is light and reproofs are of instruction are the way of life Proverbs 10 11 the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life this ain't just so with a preacher this is what God wants every one of you believers to be now, if you're spewing out gossip and this and that and the other, then your mouth ain't a well of life. It's a trash mouth. It's a garbage mouth. Well, praise God. But the mouth, you imagine what a miracle that is? The mouth of a righteous man is a well. It ain't just a bottle of Gatorade. It's a well. It is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Proverbs 15, 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. 
So now we've got the well and we've got the tree back in the man again. Praise God. A wholesome tongue. Why, how in the world could any of us have a wholesome tongue when a human tongue has set on fire of hell? Is that what James said? Don't make them big up bug eyes at me. Do you realize what a miracle you are tonight if you have a wholesome tongue? Now, some folks have a whole lot of tongue, but it ain't wholesome. I don't want a whole lot. I want a wholesome one. Well, I'm going to let you go before I get killed here. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the Spirit. Jeremiah 21.8 And unto this people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. John 6.35 And Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Look what he's open to us, children. The bread of life, the tree of life, the book of life, the way of life, the path of life, the light of life. Amen. Right here at your disposal in Laodicea. If you can imagine in your mind we're in the middle of this dark chaos. All this filth, debauchery, violence, murder, everywhere around us. All this. Don't you understand what all this is? All this violence. It's preceding the tribulation. People are getting under the tribulation anointing. It's a pre-tribulation anointing of murder and killing and violence. And they watch all these video games and they watch all these movies and read all these stories and get on all these websites of all these violence. Come on, Brother Donnie. You can make all the gun laws you want to. We need to start making some laws against Hollywood. Hollywood's the one that's running their minds and all this music. Come on, saints. Oh, yeah, that's free expression, they call it. Yeah, that's why the downfall of our nation. Satan knew. He knew our founding fathers by founding it. They did not have a clue what it would lead to the defamation of our nation in the end time. But they're able to do all these things and say all these things. Cop killers and this and that and the other in their songs. Come on. They can say all that in their songs, but it'll come to pass if a preacher stands up and preaches against homosexual marriage to be thrown in jail. Why? Because they've got every right, but we don't have none. Well, let me say it this way. We don't have much in Laodicea, but I've still got a right to preach the truth as far as God's concerned. What's it for? Tolerance, 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 love. Isn't it amazing how that tolerance works for everybody but those who believe the truth? Don't you understand, friend? It's that anointing of the pre-tribulation. It's getting upon the people. Why? Because the foolish virgin will be hunted down like dogs. That killing, murdering thing. You've heard it this week. Well, one of the big networks was introducing a new, a new television, a movie thing. And it was these leftists that's hunting the conservative people called the hunt. Yeah, so you got the leftists going out on hunts and they're hunting conservative people with rifles and there was so much kickback that they decided to pull it. 
But you see, the mindset is there. The mindset is already there to get rid of people that have morals. To get rid of people that still say male and female. Him and her. Come on, church, don't you get quiet on me. If I come up in the middle of the street and there's a hole there, I'm going to call it a manhole. I'm sorry if that offends you. It ain't an it hole, it's a manhole. Manpower. God was a man. I'm a man and I know it. I ain't wondering if I was a girl. I ain't wondering if I'm a woman. I know who I is. I was a man. Praise the Lord. God made me a man. I want to remain a man. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Thank God for the truth. But what is it? It's that intolerance of the tribulation period. Praise God. And what I just said to you is classified as hate. They can call us all kinds of names, say all kinds of things about us, ridicule us, make fun of us, and nearly kill us. But it's free expression. Well, praise God. Amen. Don't you love him with all your heart? Aren't you glad you have life? Most of us never have to worry about the building being full of money. <laughs> Even your pew, you ain't got nothing to worry about your pew being full of money. Some of you ain't got your pocket full, much less anything else. But aren't you glad you know what God's greatest of all gifts is? Life. Life. Brother Jack, we've got it. Eternal life. Eternal life. We can never die. Now I'm talking about your body. Now your body ain't got eternal life, but your soul has eternal life. Praise God. Let's bow our heads together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your words tonight, Lord. We're reminded of the words, Lord Jesus, of your apostle that day. Whenever some of your disciples turned and walked away and followed after you no more, and you turned to the twelve and said, Does this offend you? You also want to leave? And Peter said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. I find it so amazing that Peter had already recognized eternal life laid in the rhema words of Jesus. Praise God. He had his faults, but he sure had some understanding. Lord, we say the same thing tonight. Some people, folks going this way, some folks going that way. Some ain't sure if they want eternal life. They kind of grab a hold of it and set it down. And Oh, it might be poison. Oh, it, 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 might, it might, might be more what I can do. Ah, I don't know. Some grabbed a hold of it. Well, I, I've changed my mind. But we still say what we started saying years ago. You have the words to eternal life. Where could we go? So if we had all the gold of the world, all the silver, all the pearls, all the diamonds, and it was all at our disposal, and yet we laid here in a coffin, what good would it do us? If we owned a fleet, a fleet, 
of the greatest automobiles that were ever made. But yet, we were in a casket, dead. What good would it do? So life is the greatest of all gifts. And I wonder how many of us Christians get up every day and don't even thank you when we live that day for another day of life. We gripe and complain because we had these problems and these headaches. And, but I wonder how many people in hell would rather be alive with all the problems of life than they would down there in the regions of the lost. Help us, Father, no matter how hard it is. May there not be a day go by that we do not give you thanks for another day of life. How many sisters here tonight, Lord, or brothers who their companion has gone on or a child, a father, or a mother, what would they give for an hour, a day? What would they give for a week to be able to call that husband back just for him to put their arm back around their shoulders again and sit down and eat with them again? What would they give? Probably everything they own. Because that would mean more than their possessions. So Lord, help us while we have our husbands, our wives, our children, our loved ones. Help us, Father, instead of marginalizing on what we differ on. Help us to appreciate those that's in our families, in our church family. As I heard the song the other day, Lord, that we should love those that you put in our lives. Because one day, you'll want them back. Help us to appreciate them, Lord, while you loan them to us. Help Happy Valley to realize you loaned me to them. And help me to realize you loaned them to me. Help me to realize, Lord, you loaned my wife to me. My children, my grandchildren, my brother, my sister-in-law. My church family, my friends, but one day you'll want them back. Help me to love them. Help me to let them know. Help us, Lord, to appreciate our life while we have it. So when those loved ones are called back home, we won't have to spend the rest of our life with major regret. Well, I wish I hadn't have said that. I wish I hadn't have done that. Really, it didn't matter. No true help us to realize a lot of the stupid stuff that we argue and fuss about in reality doesn't matter anyway help us lord i thank you for my human life but i thank you most of all for my eternal life there's one here tonight father who's not yet been birthed into it by the breath of god may they find it lord grant it i pray father in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Nobody ever loved me like you, Jesus. As Harry's been singing the song to us, Lord, and the story of our life could have been a different story. Oh, my. Could have been said about Donnie Reagan that he was a bar owner down in Elizabethan or Johnson City.
some guy came in on Saturday night and pulled out a 357 and blowed his brains out. They're going to have his funeral on Monday. Donnie Reagan, local bartender. Those people that I serve the alcohol to and whatever more might come up and say, I really liked him. I really liked that boy. That's so unfair. That's so unfair. Or maybe I would have been some rich man, some businessman, and never gave my heart to you. Maybe a lot of wealthy, renowned people would come to my funeral and say, Wow, man, I really liked that guy. He was a nice guy. But my soul was in the regions of the lost. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you've helped us to not embrace eternal life as a poison and spend decades of our life trying to decide whether we want it or not. I'm so glad, Lord Jesus, as a child, you helped me to pull that bottle to my lips. Praise God. And when the lid was open, I swallowed down Jesus Christ, the very life of the Lord Jesus. Oh, I had much to learn, much to understand, much to grow. Yes, I did. And I'm still doing that, Lord. But I thank you that start. Oh, when I was just a kid. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So if I do have a funeral one day, my epitaph, my piece in the paper won't be local bartender. My piece in the paper won't be local gang member, local mafia hit man. Praise God. But those that attend my funeral will be saints and preachers. Amen. Why? Because that's who I hung out with in time. That's who I'm going to hang out with in eternity. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, we love you tonight. Thank you for becoming flesh, Lord. So the life of that tree could become a human being. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Nobody loved me like you loved me, Jesus. Praise God. Can we just worship him together a little bit? Can we just take a little bit of time? Oh, it's early yet, isn't it? Don't you appreciate eternal life? I thank God for my natural human life. Oh, my. Will you sing it for us again, Harry? I know we've been singing this song a lot, but it has just really been ministering to me. I trust it's a blessing to you as well. Nobody loved me like you love me, Jesus. Praise God. Morning, I see you in the sunrise. Amen, Lord. It's like a picture that you painted for me. letter in the sky. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. I could have had a really different story. Hallelujah. Heaven to restore, to restore me. me. 
to God. Hallelujah to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Sing the other verses again, Harry. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. I see you in thank you for another day, Lord. Every thank you for another Saturday, Lord God. We can come to church. It's like a thank picture that you painted for me. Thank you for another day I can spend with my church family, Lord.
Nobody loves me like you do. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And it been good to be in church. Oh, praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Before we go, I'd like for us to pray. Tonight, many of you know, Brother Randy Gisson has been really sick and been in the hospital about five times. And, um, he's, he seems to be doing, doing better this round, and they're kind of approaching it in a different way. But he still needs a touch from the Lord, and we're just believing God for a complete recovery for our brother. Also, for Sister Sharon, it's been really difficult for her. And I'm not sure how many of you know it, but he's been in the hospital this week. Also, laid him out on Monday night. I had to put him back in. I think it was on Tuesday morning. Um, but also, his mother was put in the hospital as well. Her blood pressure. Uh, she's got some issues going on in her body. And uh, his brother, Daniel, Brother Daniel gets in there, the pastor down in Georgia. He is also in the hospital. Um, He's got a really, really, really need, desperate need as far as head and shoulder replaced, an infection in the shoulder. Been there for some time, and he's uh, got a really, really bad, bad case of it. Been having to go to the, to the hospital every day for about two weeks now with a pick line to put antibiotics in his body straight to the pick line. But uh, he got in really bad shape and had to take him to the blood, hospital blood pressure, 80-something over 50-something or something like that once they got in there infectious doctors, all kinds of doctors coming to see him. The Lord didn't promise us that we'd be free from such things, did he? But he told us he'd be here to help us along the way. I'd like for you to, if you would, just to, as we're going to dismiss, how many, anybody else have a need in your home, your body, your life, you'd just like to raise your hand to the Lord tonight? All right. Let's, let's hold your request and, and these, if you would, let's just take them before the Lord and as we prepare to dismiss. Heavenly Father, Lord, I've been really concerned, dear God, Brother Randy and his situation. I know he's been so sick, Father, and we're grateful that he's making improvement. And thus far, the tests that they've done, the reports have come back good for what that they've done, and we're thankful for that. A couple of more that they're still waiting on the results for, and we're believing, Lord Jesus, that you're going to let them go well as, as, as you have the others. Lord, we thank you for Sister Sharon strengthening her and helping her. We ask that you just remember them tonight, Lord. Sister Lois, her mom, dear God, you see her blood pressure and the other issues, Father, that are going on in her body. We pray for her tonight, Lord Jesus. May the Spirit of God move for our sister. May you touch her, Lord. Dear God, for Brother Daniel, we ask that you would help him as well. You see, Lord, this situation that he's in and this condition that, that's there and the doctors, several, several doctors coming back and forth in and out. And I talked to his wife, Lord, and, and she said it was so frightening seeing all those different doctors come in and uh, the different things they were saying. And it's very, very serious. We pray for your mercy, Lord. The difference between us, Lord, and the world is other people get some of these same things. They're treated by some of the exact same doctors in the same hospital. 
lost man might be in the hospital the same day. Saints are in there treated for the same thing. But Lord, through our tests and trials, we learn things. We're taught things. It helps mold something in us, dear Father. And for that, we are grateful. You didn't tell us that our life would be free from disease and trouble and heartache, but you told us that you'd be with us, that you'd never leave us, you'd never forsake us. Lord, not only for these three members of the same family do we offer prayer, but hundreds of hands were uplifted across the place tonight. We're asking that you'd move for them. Some of them physical, some domestic, some maybe mental things are going through in their mind, battle, psychological, financial. You're the God who can blanket all the needs of these people tonight and cover every one of them by your grace. And when you get done meeting them all, you'll have just as much power as you had before you met every need. If there was billions of people praying at the same time and you met billions of needs at the same time, it would not have diminished your power one iota. Praise God, because you are the omnipotent, almighty God. We love you tonight, Jesus. Thank you for the service, Father. I know it was simple. I pray that it was a blessing to us, Lord. Help us tonight, Lord God, we pray. Heavenly Father, you see, dear God, this situation that's happened to our sister here tonight. Father, we believe you're the great giver of life. We ask for your mercy, Lord. We ask you right now in the name of Jesus, whatever this is, Lord, that's attacked our sister. Lord, we know it's the enemy. Oh, Lord God, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, may there be no evil that will come of this, Father. You see her blood pressure low and losing her color. You know what it is, Father. May the Spirit of God, I pray, go right to her right now, Lord. Oh, how thankful we are to have you, Lord, in the time of trouble. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We're grateful, Lord, that we have people that be able to know what to do to help us. But, oh, Jesus, how thankful we are to have you. May the grace of God help her tonight. Minister to her, Lord Jesus, your healing virtue. Grant it, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Don't you appreciate his mercy in the time of need? Just that quick, friends, our lives could be over. We could leave this life and we could be gone. Oh, it makes you want to be ready, does it not? God bless you. They've still got our sister out there, so if you'd be dismissed, just give them plenty of room uh, you, you, as you uh, work, work your way out there. Looks like they're still waiting. Maybe they're going to bring the ambulance to get her. God bless you. Go in the fear of the Lord. Let's just remember to pray for Sister Gracie tonight. I'm sure that once they find out what's going on through the social media, everybody can be informed, but just keep her in prayer if you would. God bless you. See you in the morning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now I'm found. I was.
Just did that. Great. 